Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Ronnie will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We're only human. But it's the world. We've got to have everything. Why is it the church has to have everything the world has? So if the world has something, the church got to do. The world has American Idol. We got Sunday best. Yeah, only one person wants to say amen. Uh-huh. Y'all acting like, oh, I don't even worship. watch TV. I don't know. I, I just don't know what y'all. Y'all going to get home and go, Pastor Rodney, crazy. I thought about Sunday best. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Trying to act all holy. We got to do everything. Listen, we Christians, we are in the world, but we are not of this world. Let the world do what the world does, and that's be worldly. And let the church do what it does, and that is to be holy. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it clean. And I am confident, listen, if Jesus were on this earth today, he'd be throwing money changers out of the church left and right. Christian TV would be really interesting if Jesus were on earth, wouldn't it? Right in the middle, think about it. Right in the middle of, call this number on your screen and sow a seed for your need. Jesus would come running across the screen with the whip in his hand. You brutal vipers, you sinner, you damn thieves, get out of here, you charlatans. I love it. I love it. Jesus, what would he think of the church today? I wonder. Jesus said, don't make, look at verse 16, we got to move forward. Don't make my father's house a house of what, saints? Merchandise. Jesus said, note this, my father's house, not your father, my father. In other words, my father's house is about knowing and loving my father. In this house, my father is supreme. My father is the supreme treasure here. The focus has been taken off of my father and place in place of trade and scams and schemes. Jesus is angry because he could see through their religious helpful heart. Jesus could see their, this bazaar, this emporium, this super Walmart was not advancing fellowship and love for his heavenly father. This was not flowing from a heart of love for God. It was flowing from a heart of love of money. And the Bible says Jesus was angry and in his anger he turns over the tables now get this i don't know if you've ever seen tables turned over in an angry way maybe accidentally but in an angry way tables turning that's a pretty violent and scary thing is some people who have the sunday school idea of jesus don't they 
the thin, scrawny, puny little man, meek and mild, Jesus loves everyone, judges no one. Listen, that might be a man somewhere, but that's not this man. First of all, let me say this, and maybe I can get a witness in the house. Jesus is a man's man. Uh, He's a man's man. Jesus is a man's man, and this man has a whip in his hand, and he violently, radically, forcefully drives everyone out of the temple. Jesus is angry. Don't y'all get it? Because Jesus saw a Ponzi scheme. Jesus saw hypocrisy. He saw religion used as a front for greed. He saw empty forms of love for God plastered over the insatiable love of money. And when Jesus sees this form of godliness covering a cover for gain, his blood boils. You can almost hear the zeal of Jesus burning in his voice when he said in Matthew 23, 25, he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside, what? They are full of greed and self-indulgence. Jesus said, you put up a fine display of religious helpfulness in the bazaar, but you are driven by the love of money and not the love of God. Jesus turned over the tables and said to those who sold the dove, saints, look at this here. I want you to see this here. This is extremely important. Look at verse uh, 16. He said to those, he said to those who sold the doves, Notice he didn't turn over the tables with the doves on it. Now, I'm telling you that because there might be some PETA people here. And I don't want y'all to say, I'm just trying to help. I'm your pastor. I'm just trying to help you. I don't want you to think Jesus hurt the little doveys. Some of y'all are like, oh, Jesus hurt the doveys. He doesn't throw the table. The doves are flying all, hurting the doves. He didn't hurt the doves. He said, look what the Bible says. Read the Bible. He said to those who sold the doves, take these things away and don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. Remember I told you that during the Passover, people would clean the house of leaven because leaven represents what? Sin. Here Jesus is cleaning out the leaven of his father's house. Eleven of the Pharisees corrupt religious leaders in their system. Now listen, don't confuse this story with, with the other three accounts in the Gospels of Jesus cleansing the temple. There are actually two cleansings of Jesus in the temple in in Jesus' ministry. Here is one in the beginning in John chapter 2. And then there is another one because obviously they didn't learn from this one. There's another one later on in his ministry at the end of Jesus' ministry. Look at verse 17. Jesus drives out the ripoff artists in the temple and he turns over the tables and money is flying in the air and people are yelling, what's going on? And the Bible tells us then the disciples looked at each other and said, oh, that's what, write it in your margin, Psalm 69.9 is talking about. Zeal for your father's house has eaten you up. In other words, love for the father Love for his house, love for his people had consumed Jesus. Jesus is consumed by love for the father and people. Question, what are you consumed with? Did you hear me? What are you consumed with? Because everybody, listen, everybody is consumed 
with something. Some people are consumed with drugs and alcohol and sex and gaming and money and education. And some people are consumed with knowledge. You ever meet some people like they're always in school? You ever meet people like that? They're like always in school. Always. They've got like 17 degrees and they're always in school. Hey, how you doing? What you doing? Well, I'm in school. It's like, hey, why don't you get a job? Well, who would ever thunk it? Consume with education and consume with knowledge and consume with ambition. And some people are consumed by relationships. What bugs you enough that eats you up? What consumed Jesus is his father's house. Are you listening? What consumed Jesus is love for God. What consumed Jesus was love for God's people. What consumed Jesus is that his father is being misrepresented. Look at verse 18. Jesus is zealous, consumed for the house of God. The religious leaders are zealous and consumed for religion. And so they ask, watch this. What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Interesting. They don't question the rightness of his action. They're questioning the authority or the right he had to do it. They're saying, why are you driving? They're not saying, why are you driving out the ripoff artists? Because they know what they're doing is wrong. They're saying, what sign do you show us for doing this thing that you're doing? Now, listen, my next statement, I can't prove it, but I'm confident that they must be thinking Malachi Chapter 8, God, they know the word. These are scribes, these are Pharisees. They know the Bible. They know the scriptures. They got to be thinking of Malachi 3, 1. Tells us, behold, I send messengers, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messengers of the covenant in whom you delight. In verse 3, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, that will be the priest, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in what? Righteousness. This verse had to click in their heads. Now listen, before we go any further, I know that there's probably some of you who are thinking, Pastor Rodney, okay, So what's the difference with you guys having a bookstore in Calvary Chapel and this story right here? See, I can see what y'all thinking. The Holy Spirit has revealed question marks over your heads right now. I see it in the spirit. So you're thinking, so what's the difference? Well, listen, there's a lot of difference. First of all, you got to understand something here. Jesus did not have a problem whatsoever. Hear me. No problem with them selling anything. That's not the point. The point is they were selling and taking advantage of people and selling at an exorbitant price and taking uh, advantage of God's people and ripping the people off. Secondly, listen, the church today is not the temple of God. Don't you know? The Bible says you are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit of God, somebody say a better amen than that. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. When you become a Christian, am I right about it? When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live with inside of you. And now you are the temple of the living God. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the Bible says. Jesus is in us. And then thirdly, listen, I think on a very practical level, Everything in the bookstore is cheaper than you will find in any store outside. 
Why? Because we don't have the overhead. We don't have to mark anything up. We can order things, pay for shipping, get it here, and that's it. We don't have to mark anything up. You see a Bible out there, you see something out there, get it, come back, see if Miss Elvira or whoever's in the bookstore can get it for you. Things are cheaper in the bookstore. They don't have the overhead. And how many, you know, it's a ministry. The bookstore is a ministry. It really is. I mean, if you need a Bible, how many Bibles have they given away in that bookstore? And she gives away nice Bibles. She doesn't give away the cheapies. She gives away the nice ones. I mean, if you need a Bible and you don't have a Bible, you go to that bookstore and you tell Miss Elvira you don't have a Bible and you don't have the money and she'll give you a Bible. She's going to give you a nice leather, nice Bible. She'll give you one like mine, really, really nice. Small letters. We're not going to give you the big one. But um, no, I'm just... I'm just But she'll give you a Bible, and we give away Bibles, and, and, and if you need a Bible, go there. Now listen, if you don't have the money, you go there. And, and the key that I'm, I'm telling you here is if you don't have the money. That's the key thing. Amen. Don't go there and say, oh, Pastor Rodney said that you were giving away free Bibles. Then that's not what Pastor Rodney said. Pastor Rodney said if you don't have the money, you can get a free Bible. Now if you have the money, give us the money. Amen. Let the church say amen. amen. Give us a check. But if you can't afford it, then you just go there and the Bible, God will bless you and the bookstore will bless you and, and you'll be blessed. They told Jesus, give us a sign. Jesus responds, you want a sign? Look at verse 19. You looking at verse 19? Say, I'm looking at it. Jesus said, you want a sign? Here's a sign. Destroy this temple in three days. I'm going to raise it up again. They think he's talking about construction. Jesus is talking about the resurrection. An entendre, a double entendre. They think he's talking about construction, the temple, Herod's temple. It's called Herod's temple because Herod the Great decided to rebuild the temple after it had been desecrated by Antiochus Epiphanes. It took 60 years to complete that project. Here in chapter 2, that temple has been under construction for 46 years. It will be completed and then ultimately destroyed by Titus Vespasian in A.D. 70. Jesus is saying destroy this temple. He's talking about his body, the Holy of Holies, and I will raise it up. And they didn't understand. They said this place has been in process for 46 years. It's taken 18,000 workers to build this building. You mean to tell me you're going to raise it up in three days? That's laughable. John says they didn't understand. He was talking about the temple of his body. Again, talking about resurrection. They think he's talking about construction. Jesus spoke this way because to the Jew, the symbol of God's presence was the temple. Jesus is saying, I am the Logos, the unique son of God. I am the presence of God among you in flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. They don't understand because they're carnal minded, right? First Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not understand the things of the spirit. Don't you know? Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. John is honest in verse 22. He tells us the disciples didn't get it either. They didn't initially understand what Jesus was talking about until after the resurrection, and they believed the scriptures. And look at verse 23, and 20 through 25, and then we'll come in for a land. Look at verse 23. If you're looking at it, say amen. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed, underline that, believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not underline this 
commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So Jesus is doing miracles and people are believing in him because of the signs or the miracles that he did. Now, let's understand something here. Give me your attention, saints. In the four Gospels, there are approximately 36 miracles recorded over a three and a half year period of time. 36 miracles. That's only a dozen miracles a year, 12 miracles a year. That's about one miracle per month. Jesus didn't walk around doing miracles. People kind of think, I think, that Jesus walked around doing miracles. And everywhere he went, he was doing miracles. So, you know, he walks up to the guy and says, hey, you want to be healed? And the guy says, yes. And Jesus says, be healed. And the guy gets up and runs away. You want to see? The guy says, yes. And the guy sees. Uh, You want to see? Yep. The guy sees. He sees his trees. Jesus touched him again. He sees everything clear. People think that Jesus walk around doing miracles. You know, be healed. Get up. You can see. You can walk. Do the Macarena. Uh, (laughs) People think that Jesus is doing miracles. Listen, he wasn't doing that many miracles. Think about that. One miracle a month. That's not that many miracles. People build whole ministries off of miracles and signs and wonders. Jesus didn't do them all the time. Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. Now, I had you underline the word believe in verse 23 and the word commit in verse 24 because those are the same words in the Greek language. It's saying many believed in him, but he did not believe in them. Are you getting me? Many trusted him but he did not trust them. Many committed themselves to him, but he did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in their heart. Jesus knew, although many are believing because of the signs he's doing, signs don't save. Somebody say amen. And temporary excitement doesn't last. Somebody say amen. And Jesus knew four chapters later in John 6, verse 66, many are following him. And the Bible says they will follow him no more. Jesus knew the faith of some believers was superficial. And some of these same people who are claiming to believe right now later will be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus knew the heart of man. Jesus knows the nature of man. Jesus knows it's easy to believe when there's no cost involved. Some temporarily committed themselves to him, but he didn't commit themselves to them because he knew that they were only following him because of the signs that he was doing. And how many people only follow God because of what he can give? Is that you? I hope not. We should follow him not for what he can give, but for who he is. How many times, I'll wait while you clap your hands there. How many times... We've seen people, you know, problems happen in their lives and situations, something wrong with the kids and the kids are acting crazy and the finances and we need a job or we need this or we need healing or we need a touch from God. And people come to church and they get committed to God and they start praying, they start getting involved in Bible study and they start seeking God. But then after some time, they fall away from God. That never became more clear to me than when 9-11 happened. 
Y'all remember 9-11? Of course you remember 9-11. And, uh, man, when those Twin Towers came down, people thought Jesus was coming. Remember that? Churches were filling up. The news was, it was all over, all the news and everywhere across the country. Churches were filling up. And this church was full, packed to the brim every Sunday. All three services. People are here and people thought Jesus was coming. And you, people even ask me, you think this is a sign of the end times? I'm like, well, yeah, I actually do. And uh, you think Jesus is coming? I don't know. But I tell you what, I'm going to be ready right now. You need to get ready. They're going to like, well, yeah, I'm going to start coming to church. I'm like, listen, you come to church is not getting ready. Somebody say amen. Because I can tell you what, right now, when Jesus comes, and he, he'll, 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 he'll rapture the church and you'll be sitting right here in the church. I shut up. Ooh, I just got the spirit. You'll be sitting right here. Don't you understand if you don't know Jesus, you could be in the house of the Lord and still get left? That's a trip. You sitting here taking notes and carrying on and listening to the word of God. All of a sudden the rapture happened. You look around, there's four people in here. You're like, what happened? You can get left right here in the church. The important thing is not where you are, but where you are in your heart. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. And Jesus knows where you are in your heart. You need to know the Lord in your heart. He knew that these people were following him for the signs that he was doing and for the miracles that he was doing. And that's why he did not commit himself to them because they temporarily committed themselves to him. Now, let me just leave you with this and I'm going to let you out of here. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Listen, were you with me last week? Remember we talked about water to wine? It was a miracle of conversion. Remember that? Well, John chapter 2, verse 13 through 25, we have the work of cleansing the temple. Notice, I always wondered why in John 2, the first 12 verses, was this miracle of uh, converting the water to wine. And then this story about Jesus. Because we've got to remember, chapter and verse, listen, I'm going to let you go. I know y'all hungry. Listen. Chapter and verse was not inspired. So John's writings are continuous. So 13, 12 goes right into 13. There is no break. So why would John be telling us a story about Jesus changing water to wine at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and then all of a sudden start telling us about the fact that he goes up to Jerusalem and he's driving people out of the market chain place because they're taking advantage. What in the world? How does these two stories connect? Well, listen, this is how they connect. One story is about conversion and the other story is about cleansing. Isn't this how God works? First, there is conversion and then there is cleansing. When the Bible says that you ought to come as you are, you ought to come as you are. And God will then convert you, and then God will clean you up. There's some folk, I'm waiting while you clap your hands and say amen. 
And some people think, oh, well, I need to get my life together. I got to clean myself up and then I'll come to Christ. Let me tell you something. If you're waiting to clean yourself up before you come to Christ, you're never going to come to Christ. Because you can't clean you up. You've been trying to clean you up this long and how's that working for you? Not very well. God wants to clean you up. So you come to him with all of your baggage, with all of your stuff, with all of your problems, with all of your situations, with all of your junk. You come to him and then God then, and you ask him to come fill you and he fills you and then he cleans you up. Here they came to him and he converted that water to wine and then he cleansed the temple. This is how God works. God wants to do that work in you. Convert you, then cleanse you. This is the God we serve. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.